Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, Claude, we are hot. Let's get it going. Welcome to this week's episode of Movie in a Pod. I am Clyde Smith. And I am Javier Villalobos. On this week's episode, we are discussing, well, very simply, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. JV, we're just going to skip right to the point, man. We're going to be discussing Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, but... Yes. How was your weekend, brother? I had a very uh, Marvel weekend. Oh wow! Talk to me. Yeah, yeah. I watched uh, Shang Chi again yeah. on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched Infinity War. Then I watched Endgame, and then I watched all of Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. <laughs> you watched all episodes of the Falcon <laughs> and Winter Soldier. All made it all the way to the end. It's just so good, man. It's just it really so is. It was good. really great. Even this this time around, it was awesome. Did you catch all the? Uh, Disney shows coming to uh, Disney Plus, all the Marvel shows and everything. Oh yeah, it's all. Uh, what was it the Disney? Was it Plus, Disney Plus Day thing? Whatever it was called. Disney Plus Day, baby. You are correct. Yeah, that uh, the trailer with all of the tiny trailers within it. Even had that little extended scene for uh, Hawkeye in it as well. Yeah, it was dope. It like, really was. It's just Chris, the Christmas music was just awesome. Like I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> so ready. I also got a a gift from my my wife. Check this out. Oh snap, Bruh, Got the arc reactor in the chest. Don't tell me it glows or something. Something's happening right now. It's glowing, isn't it? Oh, you can't see it. Oh, it's yeah, too bright it in your pot room. <laughs> Fire. Yeah, let's, let's see. Can can you see it now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Coming in clear. My man is actually <laughs> Tony Stark, all right? I just I just went to the gift shop last week and got the Stark Industries shirt. 
this man yeah. is Iron Man. So awesome. <laughs> what I was thinking, uh, when December rolls around, I'm going to get a little tree to put underneath it. And this is going to be the topper. Right here. <laughs> this is going to be the top of the tree. Fire. It's going to be dope. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Shang-Chi. I obviously watched Curb Your Enthusiasm like I always do. Dude, I watched so much Supernatural as well. So. <laughs> Went and saw uh, <laughs> Rent last night here live in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. You know, I've never saw. seen the 2005 movie, didn't know much about the show. Um, it's a, it's actually a really good show, man. I, I highly recommend anybody uh, to see Jonathan Larson's rock opera of Rent, man. It is about friendship. It's about loss. It's about love. Um, I, did, I actually did not think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. Pretty damn good show, man. Where'd you see it at? Uh, Belk Theater, Uptown Charlotte. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It was just the right, um, like, length for, like, my attention. Because, you know, all hmm. that singing and stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, I can do it yeah. on the couch or, like, the movie version. But, like, the live, there's just so much going on. So it it grabbed my attention enough. So it was definitely yeah. enjoyable. Definitely enjoyable. But, bro, did you check out Red Notice yet? I started getting through it. I think I had, like... I don't know, 30 minutes left in it, something like that. I need to finish it up. Oh, so you're not done yet? I, I, I did not finish it, no. Damn it. We, all right. Well, you know what? We're going to save that for next pod. You know, just you know, laundry and stuff. <laughs> God, so much clothes. Actually, I had to get some stuff done so that way I could hop on Ghostbusters last night. Nice. <laughs> you know, I've seen them like a bunch, but, you know. Like a gazillion times, like you were just in the theater like three yeah. weeks ago and watched it. So you know, there's that. <laughs> that was awesome. Yes, let's do it again. All right, man. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into this. All right, guys. So our uh, movies of the week actually are 1984 Ghostbusters and 1989 Ghostbusters to the sequel. Uh, I'm not going to run down a laundry list of different movies that came out those years, but I will say that Ghostbusters uh, was the second highest grossing film of 1984, getting beat only by Beverly Hills Cop. And the sequel, released in 98, was in the top 10 highest grossing of that year. So there's a lot of heavy hitters in that year, like Batman. Yeah. So really, really good year <laughs> right. for movies. Both of these movies are uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. Written by both Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. So on the first one, they had an estimated of thirty million of a budget, and the box office made two hundred ninety-six point five million. Oh yeah. And the second one, uh, the budget bumped up a little bit to estimated thirty-seven forty million, with the box office at two fifteen point four million. A lot of money at the box office, not to mention all the Halloween costumes. You're right, man. It's so wild, too, because, like, that was a <laughs> lot of money in the 80s to make a movie. Right. If we would say today, 2021, we're going to make a movie called Ghostbusters, 
and it's going to be just like that, but it's this year. Oh, that's a $200 million movie right there hmm. to do it for, for that little and it still hold up this long. That's a testament of time right. right there, man. That that's something no, yeah. you was just, you was in the theater for it and it looked amazing, right? It looked fantastic. Oh, dude. Perfect. And I even watched the uh two uh Ghostbusters two in what is it, uh Ultra four K. Hmm. Was also beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I love to hear. All right, man. What's who's this movie starring? Uh, so our basic team for both movies uh we got bill murray as peter venkman dan Aykroyd as ray stance harold ramus as egon spangler ernie hudson as winston zedmore sigourney weaver as dana barrett rick moranis as louise tully annie potts as janine melitz do love me some annie potts that's that's our that's our team man just, our team. Once again, just the hugest crush on her, man. I don't know if it was like that, that Long Island accent. I don't know if it was those glasses. I don't know. Just. <laughs> Might have been the. That's probably like the. A uh, little bit of the attitude, too, right? Yes. Like, it was definitely the attitude. Like, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Um, this one's going to be a little difficult because you're knocking out two and one, but. Go ahead and give us a quick synopsis of Ghostbusters and the sequel, Ghostbusters 2. I'm going to need your help with this one, Clyde. Uh Uh-uh. All right? Yeah. All right. So who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. That's it. Let's move on to segment four. (laughs) That's that's all we need. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's it. All right. All right. I love it. Yeah, I think we'll, uh, we'll really talk through this one a lot. So, So we got our movie of the week here, guys. Uh, we're doing Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. Basically, the plot sums down to this. And I'm kind of glad you didn't give us synopsis so we can actually dive in it. So, good call. Yeah. Um, we got three scientists, man, turned ghost hunters slash busters. They enlist the help of an outsider. And they hunt and trap ghosts in the metro NYC. Talk about a crazy plot to begin with, right? Just like... <laughs> yeah. These guys, these, these three scientists believe in the, you know... Paranormal, they they believe in ghosts, so they're gonna see ghosts, so they can trap them, uh, and all this weird crap starts happening in New York that maybe was mm-hmm. always happening, but nobody really brought it to anybody's attention, and these guys were there. The first movie is about the forming of the team and the genesis and how they got to where they are. You know how they got to uh, the Ecto One, the the building of the. Uh, prototypes and everything that they use, man. It's just a really fun ride. I love it, man. Yeah, we really build into those guys, really kind of understand that they've been trying to to do this, kind of this pathway their whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Everything they do has led to, you know, basically just being scientists and wanting to learn more about paranormal, wanting to learn more about uh, psychics and all this other stuff that is not really explained. What I really like about it is kind of how how they just kind of stumble into their first case, right? <laughs> they trip into everything this entire yeah. <laughs> you're basically yeah, you're right. They really just kind of stumble into everything, even through the second movie. <laughs> 
Oh man, nothing's ever planned. Yeah, I was saying, what what would you think if you were just uh, you know somebody called up and they were trying to figure out you know what's going on in my was the library right? Yeah, is the first ghost we see. <laughs> And they walk in, and I like how uh, Ray's just like, uh-oh. Or not, it's not Ray, excuse me, it's a Vinkman. He's like, oh, no, it's a stack of books. <laughs> right? Only a ghost could stack books that way. <laughs> Man, I, I love it because, you know, they're trying to bring you into this world, especially when they actually get Winston involved when we jump into the characters. They're really trying to world build here, right? And yeah. I love it how uh, Egon is like, you know, trying to be all serious, but then there's Vankman and <laughs> he's kind of like just the asshole the entire time, right? Like, yeah. he, he yeah. believes this, he believes this stuff. He's a paranormal science, uh, scientist with these guys, but does he really believe it? You know, he still has some yeah. kind of reservations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's kind of like I'm gonna I'm here with you, and we're all here for the same reason. But I don't really believe it until I see it. Yeah, like it's not really gonna happen, man. So yeah, <laughs> and obviously, you know, they encounter the what it was Slimer, right? The, the green ghost of the um li- library, right? Uh, no, that wasn't that was Slimer. the hotel. That was, uh, yeah, the hotel. Yeah, the next day when they meet Slimer, that was uh, I don't know, it was some librarian or something. I don't really remember her backstory. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just some kind of ghost that's like, what does she do when they see her? Just like looking at books, right? Yeah. She's like kind of organizing <laughs> stuff. She's... Almost the most boring ghost. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it really is until. Uh, they try to talk to her and she freaks out. <laughs> and that's kind of our opening scene, right, of the, of the movie. And it's funny to see these guys, like, their faces when they're when they're there. And that's one of the fun things about the movie, right, is you see all the emotions on these guys' faces and you're like, that's exactly how I would react to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a testament to their acting as well. Because obviously, yeah. in the making of this movie, there's not a ghost right there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These these actors are are looking and they have cues like, all right, make your face look like this, do this, do that. Right? Yeah. That's testament to how much of themselves they put into this movie to make sure that mm-hmm. it's enjoyable, as realistic as possible, no matter how far fetched the plot is. Right? <laughs> like, right, they, right. They they went in, man, and that was really fun for these guys. So for the rest of this plot, it kind of goes deep into you know, this mythos and what's kind of happening to the city in regards to, you know, the the ultimate baddie, right? And we don't want to spoil it for anybody who has not yeah. seen this movie, but everything that happens after the first couple of uh, ghost bustings uh, really leads us into <laughs> uh, Zul, right? Who is like the ultimate baddie. And we'll jump into that yeah. later, man. But let's hop right into these characters, bro. Which is like the heartbeat of the film. Not less less what's going on with the plot and the story and more just the infused characters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most dynamic part about this, man. Gotta start right off the top, man. We got Bill Murray. Yeah. Peter Vinkman, right? Oh, yeah. The ladies' man. Mm-hmm. The smooth talker. You know the one that the, the one that gets the team pumped for battle, right? I I feel like 
I feel mm-hmm. like they had like a rough script, and they were just like, "Hey, Bill, uh, this is what I want you to say." And Bill's like, "No, I'm going to yeah. say this instead." And those lines were like perfect, right? Because <laughs> he delivered everything. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, these guys are the movie, right? The building of this team and what they do is really the highlight above the ghosts and you know our plot to where we get to at the end of the movie. Because they're really what draw you in really for the sequel, too. You know, you're not, you're not going back for the sequel because of you want to see the ghost so much as you want to see this yeah, team again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love how Peter, or, uh, yeah, Peter Venkman, that character goes through here because he's just always wanting to have fun. Always. He's always serious, but a smart ass. <laughs> and his line delivery, just talking to these other guys and, you know, they, they do like any other group of guys do they pick on each other a lot but he's the one that really picks on everybody yeah having a good time man i mean (laughs) yeah what's not to say about this iconic performance of this man the myth the living legend and javi i for our you know for our listeners for you man i actually got a special treat for you dude okay (laughs) all right so i wanted to surprise you with this and i should have told you before but let me get cue this up all right you ready all right we have bill murray on the line with us right now bro all right Bill, Mr. Murray, welcome to the pod, sir. I'm just messing with y'all. Of course we don't have Bill Murray yet, guys, but that would be awesome, okay? (laughs) Of course we don't have Bill Murray yet, okay? Give us a little bit of time. (laughs) Keep downloading, we will get there, guys, okay? (laughs) I actually wrote all of that out, by by the way. That was not ad lib. Right? (laughs) That was that was screen tested like seven times today. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, man. We also got, we also got uh, Dan Aykroyd as uh, Ray Stans, uh, another one of the uh, paranormal uh, scientists who this guy really believes in this stuff, man. And he is, you know, it's it's kind of a tie. And I don't know who takes the cake, but like Ray Stans and Egon Spengler, you know, you got to have your your nerd of the team. Obviously Harold Ramis with the glasses looks more nerdy and everything, but Ray, man, he's just gullible. He's in it. He's in it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he's in it. There's no, there's no if, ands or buts for him about, about what's going on in the city. He's in it. <laughs> he knows the existence of, uh, ghosts are there, and he is going to figure it out and get to the bottom of it, man. But he's he's probably the guy who is, you know, he's like the engineer, man. He's the one who always has his hard hat on. He's creating all the gizmos and gadgets and everything. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun mm-hmm. to see him, right? I, I, the movie that we reviewed last week, Ghostbusters Answer the Call, you actually saw Kate McKinnon's character, like, create everything. You didn't really get that from uh-huh. Dan Aykroyd's character, but you got, like, just shots of him, right? Like, just working, right? He didn't explain anything, really. Didn't go deep dive into what these things do, uh, but he's yeah. always just working. Had his hard hat on, always had something going on, man. And you just know he just wants to put his head down, build the equipment, so we can make some moves and bust some ghosts, man. Yeah, and these guys just didn't have, like, the same kind of downtime, right? Yeah. Like, this movie is go, 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 go. There's not a lot of downtime. There wasn't any time for them to be like, okay, well, this is what this is. 
And that, uh, that's a little bit of that mystery that that keeps you in it as well. And with Stance and Spangler, we saw a lot more of them experimenting, yeah. right? It wasn't as much of like building tech stuff like that. It was the research and experiments and really trying to figure out what's going on and what they can do. We didn't get that as much in Answer the Call, but it's the reverse, right? It was the tech and all that stuff. They didn't do a lot of experimenting on, you know, like in the second one, the, the goo yeah. and the first one, they were all about, you know, the evidence, oh, the, the ectoplasm and this, that, or the other. They were they were kind of that hands-on research experimental team while Peter was making all the jokes about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump over here to uh, Harold Ramis as Egon Spanker, man. Uh, definitely one of my favorite characters in, in the movies. You know, tall, awkward. He is <laughs> the guy who knows everything about paranormal quantum studies, Anything science mumbo jumbo, you know, related, he is oh, yeah. there. He is that guy. That's his specialty. You say anything, he knows the answer to it. He also did, um, you know, assist Ray with all the equipment and stuff like that. But yeah. Egon's talent was just knowledge, man. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. The reason why he is my <laughs> one of my favorites is because I like how you can say something and he'll spit out the answer right there. Every time, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I liked his character growth from the first one to the second one. Yeah. Like as Egon, the first one, he was real kind of a little bit on the shy side, mm -hmm. I guess. But in the second one, he was a lot more yeah. fun, right? He looked like he was having a better time the second go oh, yeah. around as a character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got, you got to think about it, right? It's just like I watched Rent last night. Basically... I was about the struggling artists, right? They were the struggling scientists in the first movie trying yeah. to get everything off the ground. Uh, you know, they had a little bit of capital to use to get all to get all this together, but they're just working to get their business off of, of the ground here. So he he was a little bit more serious and less playful and, and, and less fun than the, the second movie. But just <laughs> that that intel, man, that that like useless knowledge. Mm -hmm. That like comes up from him. Oh man, that's just fun to watch, bro. <laughs> the, the entire movie. Hell, Ramus was just like, "All right, Bill, you're having too much fun. Exactly. It's my turn this time. <laughs> it's my yeah. turn this time around to have some fun out here." Yeah. Ramus was like, "Bro, um, this is actually my script, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a yeah. good time, okay, bro? <laughs> Stop talking over me." All right, man. Let's jump over here to uh, Winston Zeddemore. Played by the great Ernie Hudson, man. What were your notes on this guy? You know, he's doesn't like show up a whole whole lot in any of them, either of the movies. Like the second one, I mean, he's in and out a lot. Yeah, it seemed to be more of a Bill or a Peter Ray Egon thing, and then Winston's there when they need backup. <laughs> it's just like a whole section of movie where he's just not there. <laughs> so they originally brought Winston Zeddemore on because. After they started getting a lot of phone calls for Ghostbusting, you know, they were kind of stretched thin. They needed another member. Yeah. If they needed to break up in groups of two or one or whatever, um, they can easily do that and cover a lot more terrain within the city. But no, it's it's funny, man, because being the uh, black guy that I am, you know, I looked at 
Bill Murray as a hero of this movie, and I looked at, you know, representation, and representation does matter, and seeing Ernie Hudson in this role was like, bro, I could be a Ghostbuster, right? Like, I was a kid, man, you know what I mean? Like, I have the ability to be a Ghostbuster, and that was cool for me. Yeah, he gets hired on, uh, like, with no real kind of interview or nothing either. <laughs> just like, it's like they did in uh, Answer yeah. the Call. He was basically like, yeah, I just... Uh, Y'all going to pay me, right? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going to get a check, right? Like, <laughs> hey, he didn't even, I don't even talked about what they really did. He was just like, y'all going to pay me? Sweet. Let's go. But uh, Z- Zedmore is that guy who kind of allows us to react as an outsider, not knowing all the science mm-hmm. mumbo jumbo, asking questions. He's the, especially in the second one, the, you know, the, the parts that he does have, he's the, uh, Ariadne yeah. from Inception. I'm going to ask questions because I have no clue what the hell is going on and you're going to tell me. And that's just word vomit f- to help out us as the viewers understand what's going on in the scene. What's going on with the plot, right? He specifically does that too when they're trying to talk to the mayor <laughs> about the ooze. Because <laughs> the mayor's like, does anybody just speak English? <laughs> <laughs> so he just kind of sits down and he's like, everybody's mad and there's an ooze and all this <laughs> stuff and he does a great job all right so we gotta talk about her because she's just amazing sigourney weaver dana dana barrett oh yeah not only uh i've seen these movies like a thousand times so obviously as a kid dana barrett like i wanted to date if not her a cellist you know what i mean like i wanted to wanted to i was like yo i gotta get me one of those girls right (laughs) Right there you know gotta get me a girl i gotta get me a band girl right i wonder if that's why i went into music hey you you gotta think about it there we go there we go (laughs) no but she's also uh the character who sees something happen in her apartment She's a big ass uh, demon dog or something. Yeah. <laughs> she calls the Ghostbusters. Peter goes over there, doesn't see anything at all, but starts flirting with her immediately. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, I don't even think he made it in the door. He was already <laughs> throwing lines at her. <laughs> like he's uh, he's got that little instrument. He's like uh, like testing the air or yeah. whatever. <laughs> she says, "What's that?" He's like, "Oh, it's." It's very, very complicated. <laughs> very, very complicated piece of machinery. He's just waving it. He's just waving it in there. Yeah. <laughs> this is the bedroom back here? Or... <laughs> but yeah, D- Dana Barry's character um, is the one that kind of starts leading us to the plot of, you know, mm-hmm. the big baddie Zool. Uh, she's she's one half of it. It's actually a, it's actually a really wild plot. If you actually, like, watch the movie... And then just like read the cliff notes of the movie. Uh, it's actually a really mm-hmm. wild like main plot, right? The, the the world building and them getting all their tech and becoming Ghostbusters and stuff. But Sigourney Weaver, we'll talk about Rick Moranis as Tully in just a second. The fact that they have to <laughs> come together to create, you know, basically the end of time, you know, the end of days. It's just a wild yeah. plot to begin with. <laughs> yeah. So with Dana Barrett... She becomes like she's basically like the at at some point like the fifth person in this Ghostbusters thing, right? She leads the charge in the second one as yeah. well. Why this went particularly around her, the second one, you know, I don't know if she just draws this stuff to her or not. But 
she basically is the reason they have a career the first time around and the second time around. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, it's funny because you know how like in those, any kind of like cop movie, so Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, I'll take those because they're both from the 80s, right? Yeah. They're always on some big case, right? They're small cases that they're working mm-hmm. on, but it's the big case. And it almost, it's funny how in both movies, their big case, their big bust is dealing with something around Data Barrett. Like, Peter, yeah, you would exactly. think Peter would realize by the end of, like, sometime in the middle of uh, the second one, be like, uh, I'm afraid of you, woman, okay? I'm going to stay the hell away from you, okay? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we should hang yeah, out anymore. This is, uh, <laughs> you, the paranormal just like you a lot, lady, so we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's just funny how all both of the plots of the movies revolve around her. That's very interesting yeah. and that's how you keep yeah. somebody like Sigourney Weaver in there man so definitely a great addition to the cast keep us watching the movies too apparently alright guys we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back Coffee, uh, something that we never talk about are the amazing vehicles in these movies man that we watch I mean let's talk about our top phase bro for a second yeah man that Ashton Martin DB5 from James Bond, acclaimed, just mm. fantastic. That 89 Batmobile. Tim Burton's Batmobile, Michael Keaton's Batmobile, just yes. badass, iconic. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not a muscle car type of guy, but Eleanor, that 67 Mustang yeah. Shelby GT500 from Gone in 60 Seconds. Whew. Got me there. Oh, that's a perfect car, man. <laughs> you know, and probably super iconic more than any of those other ones is that DeLorean time machine from back to the future. Like that was a character itself and just fantastic brother. Just classic dope vehicles that helped out our protagonist get through their movie. Man, What are some of your favorites? Of course, the DeLorean 100% agree with that one. Oh, fantastic. Mine are a lot of muscle cars, man. Uh, 1977 Pontiac Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit. Fire. Dom's 1970 Charger from the first Fast and the Furious. Interesting fact, I have a photo next to one of those cars that I took at Universal Studios when I was younger. Ooh, ooh, nice. nice. Uh, 1958 Plymouth Fury from Christine. And that Ferrari 250 GT from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Dude, that one from Ferris Bueller's, man, is just fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite? Well, it's going to have definitely have to be Dom's Charger overall. Uh, just American muscle. No matter where you go, these things make a statement. Yeah. What about you? Which one would you choose? It's that DB5, man. It's the ultimate spy car. Like, I love James Bond. I always wanted to be a spy. Uh, you know, this car has pop-out gun barrels behind the front headlights, revolving license plate, a champagne cooler in the armrest, smoke screen, oil slick. This car just screams badassery, man. Like, I wouldn't use any of those things, but super cool. Let me ask you a question, though. Do you have to have a license to kill to drive it? You know what? You probably should. <laughs> <laughs> All right, team. So we want to hear about your favorite movie vehicles. You know the socials, Movie in a Pod on Facebook and at Movie in a Pod on Twitter and Instagram. 
Rick Moranis, <laughs> Lewis Tully. Bro. One one I will <laughs> say this, man. I I miss Rick Moranis. Like it sucks that the guy is not acting anymore. He quit yeah. after like Honey I Shrunk the Kids Eleven or something. I don't know if that's the exact movie he he stopped acting, but that's beside the point <laughs> though. Uh, maybe they sent him yeah. the script, the strip for Little Shop of Horrors too, and he was like, "I'm out." But <laughs> but him as Lewis Tully, I mean, I, I can tell you why, but it's 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 a little bit of a downer. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Not for us. N- not for us. Okay, that's fine. I know the real reason he he quit acting. Go ahead, and let us know. Well, his uh, wife got sick and passed I away. Did not know that man. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he quit. I think he quit like as she was sick and then she passed away and he just he was there to take care of her and the family hey man you gotta handle business i hear you yeah he's a good man for it an amazing man for it lewis tully though rick moran it just plays the just the perfect nerd man <laughs> i mean just the most perfect nerd you ever seen like i've seen revenge of the nerd 17 million times it's like they plucked one of those guys out of out of that fraternity, right? Dropped him in New York into this movie, and it was it was Lewis Tully, man. I like that he's trying to be cool, really trying yeah. to get with uh, Dana and everything, throwing ragers, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Just a fantastic addition to this movie, man. He's yeah. the second part of the End of Days, where there is <laughs> Dana Parrot over here. And then we have Lewis Tully as what the key master, right? Yeah, she was the, the gatekeeper, and he was the key. No, master. there's nothing sexual about that at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? No, not at, at all. all. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really liked his character in the first one, and the fact that he was in the second one too was just a big yeah. bonus. Because over the two movies, he has a really awesome like character arc. He becomes. The, uh, from start yeah, he becomes to their lawyer, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, technically, becomes a ghostbuster, and then he becomes <laughs> yeah, yes, you are. he has to take the he has to take the New York City Transit, but he becomes a ghostbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah ultimately the worst lawyer ever, though, right? What I think is, what does he tell him? He's uh, he's like, I usually do like taxes and uh, stuff like that as a lawyer, not criminal defense lawyer. You know, it's it's definitely a, a testament to how they they write these characters and bring them into this world, and also the maturation of the five year gap between the first one and the second one. Man, that's just oh yeah, so much character development. Like, where are these characters at now? That's what we needed from the second one. And they do a really good job of filling those filling that gap in. Oh too. yeah, so much details, man. Yeah. Uh, before yep. we start talking about the uh, end of the first one, let's just go to the receptionist, man. Um, the beautiful, the amazing, the sassy. She's definitely from Long Island, guys. <laughs> Janine Minitz, portrayed by Annie Potts, man. They needed the receptionist, and they got one. Apparently, she's a good one, but she's got the attitude. How iconic, like, is her voice, though, right? Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, was, that was so good. I worked on that all afternoon, guys. Really, it was so worked good. On that all afternoon. I, I can't, so I can't do it again, though. That's it, man. <laughs> right? Very, very small role in the first one, um, just yeah. as the receptionist. She's the one that gets the team, you know. 
calls come in, she just she's like dispatch. You know what I mean? You know, she's just like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson. You think of the Ghostbusters, you think of them, and you think of yeah. her, right? I mean, she's the one that said that sends off the alarms, gets them going. You know, they did that in the second one when they're like back in business. The first thing you hear is is her yep. voice, right? Like it's it's official when she's back in the in the station, ready to to get things ready rolling. To that damn phone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some uh, just some key points within uh, the rest of the first movie before we uh, dive really into the second one. Man, uh, I don't want to spend yeah. too much time with this, but unlike last week's movie, like New York is alive. New York is beautiful. And they use 80s New York to a T, man. Like, you feel you're on these streets, running up and down these streets, busting ghosts, going into all these um, libraries and hotels and stuff, man, doing the damn thing with these guys. Mm -hmm. That was fun. That was definitely fun. And just the score that went on with it, the music in the background, you were just pumped for the next bust, man. Like you were just like, let's let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a real uh, faded in line between like those live live on location scenes and then obviously the set scenes. You really couldn't tell, you know, other than you know, you know, knowing that that's how they do it as you're younger. Yeah, you know, you can't tell that line. You know, it, it does a really good job of making you feel like these guys are really doing this work downtown. <laughs> you know, I've I've been to in my adult life. I've been to New York uh, a couple of times, and is walking the streets of New York, man. It's you know, there's so many movies that are filmed in New York, and as a tourist, you you remember those movies. The movie that always comes to mind for me is Ghostbusters. It, it just always is. And then when I see the Statue of Liberty, Ghostbusters too, obviously. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it's, it's that, it's that feeling that like I too was, you know, I'm following these guys' footsteps, man. I could be a, a Ghostbuster, like, mm-hmm. like to the point where me and my brother would put on our backpacks, our school backpacks, right? And we used to take a, <laughs> we, hear me out now. We used to take a uh, towel, like a, a huge towel that you dry off with. We stick it, stick it in our backpack, okay. zip it up, and at the end of the towel that's sticking out, we would put a um, paper towel roll, like stuff it in there, mm-hmm. and that was and that was right. our pack right there, bro. That was our right. pack, man. We were Ghostbusters, bro. I mean, we were Ghostbusters in okay. in little boring River Edge, New Jersey, but we were Ghostbusters, man, and we did that work. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, pretty creative. Yeah. Very creative. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, the rest of this movie, Demon Dogs, I don't want to spoil anything, but De- mm-hmm. Demon Dogs, a possessed, sexy Sigourney Weaver, uh, Bill Murray freaking out to that. <laughs> a lot, a lot of marshmallows, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Bill Murray and her, that scene <laughs> is just the best. So good. <laughs> can't even really explain it. You just got to watch the movie. You got to check it out if you haven't seen it. All right, man. Uh, let's jump over here to um, the second movie. Five years later, 1989, Ghostbusters 2, man. Talk, talk to me. Where do we first see our heroes? 
What are they doing? What are they up to? We see Dana with her child. Then we meet Egon next, mm-hmm. right? He's doing some kind of study on people in a waiting room. Yep. yep. <laughs> he's like, he's like, they've been there for like two hours, and I'm just slowly making it hotter. <laughs> so good, man. Yeah, this was just fun. This is what I was talking about. Kind of his character, like right off the bat, he's just he's just a different person. Yeah. So he's like. He sends his assistant in to tell him they're just going to be like another half hour if they wouldn't mind waiting around. <laughs> but, you know, he's he's studying the effects of, like, um, emotions on people is what he's doing, right? How the environment affects their emotions. Yeah. yeah. That's why he keeps making it a little bit hotter and hotter every few minutes. <laughs> and it's going to be – it's good. It's actually funny that they start out like that because that's almost foreshadowing for this movie, Right emotions and stuff like that how it kind of plays into the rest of the plot there we have peter vankman and he is a game show host right (laughs) or something or like he's a game (laughs) show host or something something on on television it wasn't a game show it was like a uh just like a talk show right it was talking to psychics (laughs) or different types of psychics (laughs) i like later just gonna jump forward a little bit when he goes to see dana at the museum and the guard is like oh yeah I know you. Your show comes on uh, after Bassmasters, doesn't it? He's just like, yeah, Bassmasters, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, so offended really by did. it, right? And then uh, Dan Aykroyd character, uh, Ray Stance, he's what, running some kind of uh, paranormal bookshop or something yeah. like that? So he's got a he's got a bookshop, and that's where they all end up meeting up again, Peter, Ray, and Egon, which is another great scene because... This is where you see some like real physical bullying from yeah. Peter, right? <laughs> to Ray. Some nuggies and stuff like that, man. Like you know, yeah. like you know, they've been you can tell that they've been apart from each other because they're really not doing any busting anymore because they owe yeah. the city so much money and can't pay it, so they <laughs> shut down their operation. <laughs> I love that there's repercussions to your actions, you know, in these five years, yeah. right? You just yeah. can't go around with proton packs and marshmallow everywhere in the city uh, <laughs> basically d- destroy a building and think you can just you know wake yeah. up and go busting the next day no the city's gonna have your ass dude it's new mm-hmm. york they don't play around so yeah they don't have uh the stark foundations <laughs> pumping there. money into their yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then we got winston he does and stands ray stands helps him out on the side but they do like children's parties, gigs or whatever, where mm-hmm. they have like the boot. They like <laughs> yeah, they walk right. in with their packs and their coveralls and everything, and they start turn. They turn the music yeah. on. You know who are you gonna call and do a little dance to it? <laughs> but the kids mm-hmm. are not entertained at all. That was the funniest thing. Nah, they went he man. <laughs> <Right? laughs> they are not entertained. Yeah. They don't know who the heck these guys are, man. They they were so five years ago. <laughs> so that's where our our characters are for the second one the plot of this one man it's (laughs) they really went in there is this purple goo everywhere kind of around the city right it ends up in like dana's bathtub which was actually one of the best scenes in the movie by the way (laughs) for so many reasons just just that cgi in there (laughs) um yeah that's what yeah that's what it was of course of course (laughs) obviously (laughs) So it comes to find out that this pink purplish goo that's everywhere in the city is tied to this uh, 16th century European tyrant 
and powerful magician called Vigo the Carpathian. This painting is basically possessed with the soul of <laughs> Vigo the Carpathian, and he is trying to come to life, and he decides mm -hmm. he's going to take Dana's baby. Once again, Dana, how the hell are you at the epicenter of everything? He decides he's going to take little baby Oscar and become real flesh and blood out of the painting. Uh, just a wild plot, man. <laughs> just a wild plot. Just going to take over baby's body. <laughs> I guess Dana's supposed to just be cool with it and raise raise him raise it like like she doesn't know what happened right like right i well, mean it was funny right because he has a he has a he has a side uh you know he has a somebody in the flesh who's helping him out and it's janos right the one of the curators yeah. from the uh yeah. art museum that dana works at and it's janos is has an infatuation with dana like all the men in this movie mm -hmm. do and he wants to wife her and raise baby baby yeah. Vigo, right? Like it's just super wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> there didn't seem to be any kind of like a fail safe that she was gonna be cool yeah, with all this. There was none. Vigo's like, Yeah, you can have her. <laughs> you know. She can be your wife, yeah. it's cool. I'll just take over she'll the baby. Be your, she'll, she'll be your wife. <laughs> I'll be your son for 18 years, I guess. I'll, yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> 18 years. The guys have to basically get down and figure out what's going on with the city because this goo is yep. actually showing bad emotions. And the way that they find mm -hmm. that out, man, is also a fantastic scene. How they end up in the one, like... How they don't get stopped by the cops trying to get down into the sewer, <laughs> right? That's another part where Egon. Yeah, this this is actually this is one of my favorite scenes right here. Right, we're like Egon is like, uh, yo, <laughs> oh, look, yeah, he's he's out there in the middle of the street like Jack Cameron by himself, right? And they're like getting coffee yeah. or something. <laughs> oh man, it's just he's like, yo, boss, <laughs> just just. Just the thick, you know, New York, Brooklyn accent, like, out of nowhere, man. I love it. I love it. I love this movie, man. It is so much fun. And the, once again, the best thing about it is just the characters and how they've definitely developed after the five years, man. Just fantastic yep. writing. Through that scene, they discover, you know, the slime reacts to a bunch of negative emotions and at one point, the Ghostbusters are trying to rip each other's heads off until they figure it out. Like, yo, man, it's the slime. Yep. It's definitely this river of slime, and they got to figure <laughs> it out. But after the guys find out that it's the slime that's creating all this uh, negative energy and everything, and then somehow, like, a ghost nurse nanny Janos kidnaps Oscar, <laughs> I will be perfectly honest with you, like... It almost came out of nowhere, and it was the oddest scene of the movie, right? It's my least favorite. 100% was, my least was favorite. that, yes. Because, like, how this man is flesh and blood. Yeah, he's talking to this, you know, possessed painting. But how he becomes this, yeah. like, ghost nanny uh, thing and is flying through the air with a uh, stroller and steals Oscar yeah. is beyond me. It's beyond me. <laughs> he's dressed as a female he's right like, like, a, a, like a nanny like an old like yeah. 1970s like nanny you know what I mean so I don't actually don't know how nanny's dressed in the 70s I'm guessing like that yeah um I could definitely yeah, be wrong. yeah it's just but like guess what you see you see this thing flying up and you're like what is going on 
and then it zooms in on his face. Oh, could have at least been like a just like another you know skeleton face or something might have made a little bit a little bit different than just his plain face. Or I guess like explain how that was able to happen, like the inception point of that, right? They were just like, nah, bro. He just comes out of nowhere. All right, so uh, we're getting to New Year's Eve, and that's the the big day where yeah. uh, Vigo is going to uh, take over Oscar's body. Janos is going to marry or be with Dana. And the boys got to figure it out, man. The boys got to figure it out. <laughs> they, I love it how they roll up to the uh, scene of the museum, but it's obviously covered in all that goo. And they try yeah. to blast it, but nothing happens. Like it was almost like <laughs> it was almost like, bro, we can't do a rehashing of the first movie, right? Like that's what that meant when they yeah. when they <laughs> when they tried to just blast it. They were just like, and it didn't work. They're yep. like, yeah, man, uh, this is a sequel. We can't do the same exact thing now. Let's figure this out. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically, and if you have any more notes, please stop me, Javi, but I don't want to spoil <laughs> this third act. I'm just going to say these things. Dope 80 song, Statue oh, of Liberty, a- an amazing painting, Ray gets possessed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. I wish I had that. I bet I could find that painting online that somewhere. That painting is fantastic, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that painting is fantastic. I cannot forget. Just a side note: Tully and Janine, they're trying to be a thing. She she oh, gives yeah. him a Ghostbusters coveralls. He hits the new. He gets the New York Transit, and kind of gets the credit for saving the day. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love when he's getting on the bus. Him and Slimer haven't had a good relationship. <laughs> he's like, okay, I'll trust you. I, I almost could have watched like just like 15, 20 minutes of just him on the bus on the way over there, man. That would have been awesome, right? You know, he likes to just ramble. So he's like sitting behind Slimer and just talking to him, like trying to have a conversation with the ghost. That would have been awesome. All right, man. So that is our conversation about Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, man. Uh, these movies, um, you can rank them separately. You can rank them together. Uh, how many buckets of popcorn do you give these flicks, man? Five buckets all day. That's what I'm talking about. All day That's long. what I'm talking about. Both of them. <laughs> Ten buckets all day. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, these are, you know, our, our childhood movies. Not only that, they are excellent movies. There's some things you can watch, you know, out of nostalgia. And you actually watch them again and be like, that was a terrible movie. I don't know why I enjoyed that yeah. movie. But these are not like that, right? I just I just watched them again and still the same outcome. Both of them are awesome. Ten buckets, man. Ain't got much more to say. I'm right there with you, man. The first movie, I give it an easy five buckets of popcorn. Just everything about the movie and how it came together, man, was just beautiful mm-hmm. funny exciting you know something that we've never seen before and it's lived on for all these years yeah these movies are almost older than us um first one 84 second one 89 one of, one of them yeah is. <laughs> older than us man and they're standing the test of time where they're coming out with 
a new one this weekend. This upcoming mm-hmm. weekend, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Check that out in theaters, guys. Both of these movies, man. The second one is just off the hook, more fun, more ridiculousness, yeah. uh, more character uh, development. Just five buckets in five buckets, man. Like, I I just love these flicks. <laughs> I might treat people on our social media to me as an adult dressed up as a Ghostbuster for Halloween, standing next to an Ecto-1. I might treat y'all. I might treat y'all, okay? If you're good. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for subscribing to this week's episode, talking through Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Next week, we'll be talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now that we're releasing in theaters this week. Oh, yeah. I am Clyde Smith. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as I am Clyde B. Smith. I'm Javier Villalobos, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MrJ8200. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.